Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, March 11th, 2019, and we are reading from the big book on page 12, the sixth paragraph, The Real Significance of My Experience. We're reading and commenting on that one paragraph only. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Laura M., 12 Traditions, Lois G., and readers of the text, Craig F., Martha Z., and Nancy P. The share ID for Sunday, March the 10th, is 12642. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from convulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Laura M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Laura M. recovering in Missouri. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Have a great morning. Thank you. And Lois G. will read the 12 traditions. Hi, this is Lois G. in Michigan. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. 
Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you, Lois G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book, Bill's story, page 12, sixth paragraph, the real significance of my experience. And Craig F., could you start us off, please? Sure. Good morning. This is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me. For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, most of those within myself. And so had it been ever since, how blind I had been. Well, real quickly, he's referring back to the story that he told uh, on the very first page of Bill's story, when he said that they, he was on his way to war, he'd landed in England, um, and uh, he'd gone, visited Winchester's Cathedral, Winchester Cathedral, and uh, he, he was moved by the experience um, Right before this, that paragraph, he said he was very lonely and had turned again to alcohol. So he's there. He, he's on his way to war. He's very lonely. He turned to alcohol. He wanders inside Winchester Cathedral. 
and his attention was caught by uh, a doggerel a saying on a tombstone that said, here lies a Hampshire grenadier who caught his death drinking small cold beer. A good soldier is never forgot whether he died by musket or by pot. Uh, or in other words, by whether he's shot or drinks himself to death, an ominous feeling which I failed to heed. So, um, the for me, the significance that he had uh, uh, forgotten about that that uh, experience was that um, when he was he was lonely, he was stressed. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's headed to war, uh, you know, afraid of, of being killed, of being shot. Uh, he's drinking, and and yet God had uh, he'd had a God experience. He he'd seen this this tombstone, and it had uh, uh, it, it had opened his eyes a little bit, and he had, it had spoke to him. But he said, "Soon worldly clamors." Uh, in other words, the the uh, the obsession uh, soon returned, but it had been lifted for a short time, and and. That is, uh, I think, the significance is that he'd seen the obsession lifted uh, for a short time through a spiritual experience, and uh, uh, now he's seeing the significance of that again, that uh, uh, the the real significance burst upon him. Uh, He had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. Uh, you know, so and now he had this other. Uh, he's having this new spiritual experience, the a humble willingness to have God with him, and and God's come, has come. A sense of His presence has been blotted out by worldly clamors, but now uh, the sense of God's presence overcame the worldly clamors, the the in, insanity that we all of us addicts carry inside us. Um, the uh, the the noise and uh, how blind he'd been to to let this to let the worldly clamors but how blind we've all been to let worldly clamors clog out that that um, connection with God it certainly has been a story in my life that uh, the worldly clamors uh, success in business you know relationships whatever uh, and and clogged up with food and alcohol uh, have separated me from this uh, humble willingness to have God with me, that simple faith uh, that uh, sees us through all of those uh, experiences in life and helps us to overcome this obsession that we have with alcohol or with food. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig F. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last day or two to take this opportunity. Please say your name just once as it helps me hear everyone. Who would like to share? Anita J. Katie G. From Boston. Kim G. From South Jersey. Okay, let me tell you who I heard. Anita J. Katie G, Kim G, Barbara E. Was there anyone else? Elaine D. Sorry, I missed that name. Elaine D. Elaine D. One more, please. 
Okay, we'll go with that lineup. I have Anita J, Katie G, Kim G, Barbara E, and Elaine B. Anita J, could you start us off, please? Yes, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity. I'm Anita J out here in Massachusetts, gratefully recovered. Um, it's only been recently that I realized what, where this happened to me. And it happened right when I um, started away. Right before I started, my car was totaled as uh, somebody hit me in the um, intersection. He ran a yellow light and um, I, the car was totaled. I had not a scratch. That was not it. It was one year later in OA down the same road, a little horse trailer, like a, a quarter the size of the truck that hit me, hit a car and there's a fire truck and there's an ambulance and there's a stretcher and there's a poor, I don't know if it was a man or a woman taken out. And that's when it hit me. He had always been there. He had always been there through that troubled childhood, all the way through my life. But then, <laughs> worldly clamors, not just worldly clamors. I was caught up in OA on a, now I realize, such a superficial level. Here he made contact right away. What a different story I'd be telling here on this line. But it's not my story because worldly clamors. I had just finished going back to school and had a nice job that I was doing. I got caught up. All of those things when he was waiting and he waited, you realize, what I'm talking about happened in 1979. He made contact on and off since then, but it wasn't until I was so desperate, sick of my behavior, never mind the weight, the behavior, even I couldn't believe it anymore. The lies, the double talk I tell myself, um, that is when he really did his I let him do it. I finally went, take me. I surrender the flag. Give me a white flag. And that didn't happen until the beginning of 2014. It's been a precious gift. The gift was always there. I just never picked it up and opened it. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Anita J. Katie G, it's your turn, followed by Kim G. Thanks, Lynn. Good morning, Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. And yeah, I mean, that humble willingness for me, um, for God, came at a place of desperation and no more, no more rope, no more nothing, you know, and just being like, yeah, help me, tell me what to do. And um, for me, my experience in program getting even getting recovered um i still those worldly clamors like that desperation 
faded as life happened. And, you know, I went to graduate school and I'm in graduate school, don't you know, and I can't really do everything I'm doing now to pursue God because, you know, God's there, but life is getting good. And um, there's a speaker that I hear and he talks about um, he's doing his best when life is at its ugliest. And that that has been my experience. I'm not um, I'm not somebody who's desperately sought after God when things are going according to my will. Um, and when I was, you know, completely obliterated um, again a second time by this disease and, and went to someone and said, help me, tell me what to do. I'm out of ideas. I have no clamor in my head. Like, I can't do it. Then I was able to open up again to God, and um, and God comes to me. I mean, as someone so beautifully says, I say, hi, God, and God runs to me. And today, you know, we're talking about the noisy babble, the noise, the roar inside of my head, right? That's the clamor. And and today, for me, what Step 10 and 11 do is that they they, they catch me and, and help me see, oh, my gosh, noisy clamor, I want I've become the I know guy. I'm not teachable anymore. I'm saying, okay, God, I can only be okay if X, Y, and Z happen. You know what, God? I know that you are the ruler of the universe, right? But I got this area of my life. You know, I got the medical treatment. You can have the food. You can have it. You know, there's noisy clamors. And, and, and I become blind again, right? And thank you, God, today because of the maintenance of my spiritual condition, I'm brought back to God. And I'm like, okay, Katie, like God is either everything or he is nothing, and your connection with God is going to fade. And what's going to happen? If my connection with God fades, then eating will be a step up, because all I can hear are the noises in the head, and they get louder and louder and louder, and then one of those voices is eat, and I'm like, okay, good idea, and boom. And for me today, thank you, God, I know that that will be death. That will be death if I'm lucky, you know, and um, I'm just so grateful for this paragraph. I'm grateful for Bill, and I'm grateful for the awareness that I can catch myself for these 24 hours, and I'm not even doing it. God catches me through the, con- through the maintenance and growth of my spiritual condition. And let's do it another day, shoulder to shoulder. With that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Kim G, it's your turn, followed by Barbara E. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, a recovered compulsive little eater. For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God, but, but, here comes the but, but soon his, the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly within myself. You know, when I identify myself as a recovered compulsive little reader, what does that mean? You know, it means that I put down the food first, and I walk through these 12 steps, and I've had a spiritual awakening that I've achieved neutrality around the food. I am safe and protected. I am neither cocky nor I am afraid. The obsession has been removed. Well, step two here, there's a brief moment where I need a God. You know, what, how does that happen? Because of my step one experiences, and because of the education of this book that describes this twofold illness. This twofold illness, which means I can't eat safely because of the allergy, and I can't be asking contently because of the mental twist. And if I am powerless, the default is I need power. 
And if all I needed was that conclusion, for that brief moment, then this would be a two-step program. You see, I know for myself, I confused the freedom from the allergy not being triggered with being recovered. You know, I tried thinking that it was just the food, that I thought abstinence only was enough. And what I employed was human aid, avoiding people, places, and things, avoiding triggers. Absence is the most important thing, remembering my last drunk. But you know what? When I was employing that, it was blotted out by worldly clamors. And worldly clamors aren't just bad things. It's a celebration. It's a bad event. It's when I am, am blotted out from, from my higher power. So how do I get recovered? I have to work steps one through nine to get unblocked. And then I practice 10, 11, and 12 to remain unblocked. And what I did for myself is I confused spiritual awarenesses, which is what Bill is experiencing here, with a spiritual awakening, which is required to go through all 12 steps. I confused feeling better with getting better. So to me, this is a warning that knowledge isn't enough, that abstinence is but a beginning, that human aid is not enough. He is acknowledging here, which I had to acknowledge, that step two is simply needing a power. I have to move to step three to make a decision to seek that power. I work steps four through nine to get access to that power. And I utilize 10, 11, and 12 to remain connected to that power. So as, as, as wonderful and as necessary it is for that brief moment to need and want God, if I don't move forward and these worldly clamors will take me back to the food. And with that, I pass. Lynn S, star one. Sorry, Barbara E, it's your turn, followed by Elaine B. Thank you, Lynn S. Okay, it's Barbara E in New Jersey. Good morning, everyone. Well, I failed to take the heat, take heed of the warnings that I had all through my life. That's the way it was with my compulsive overeating. I ate all day and into the night. I woke up in the morning with crumbs in my bed and wrappers on the floor, belching up toxic fumes and living with indigestion. I lied, I stole, I pushed you away so I could eat alone, away from the world's assessment of my gluttony. My situation was clear. I needed to get to urgent care. If I didn't want my room and my head to become my prison, I had to give up, give up everything I thought I knew in favor of accepting this spiritual toolkit that was prescribed for this disease. And I had to take my medicine every day, never allowing myself to think, well, today I'll skip a dose or two or three. And slowly, this medicine did flow from my head to my heart, and slowly I began to recover. But I did have moments where fear sobered me up. When a doctor threatened to wire my jaw shut, when I was losing my eyesight and the neurologist said it was due to obesity 
and a medicine that, well, a drug I was taking at the time when I was a young woman. That fear sobered me up, but soon I forgot about it. My selective amnesia went back into gear. I would make sudden unhealthy decisions, parking in a parking lot that I didn't need to park in, right where Burger King and Dunkin' Donuts intersected, when the place I wanted to go to had its own parking lot. Why did I do that? What was the thinking? There was no thinking. All I knew was I was going to go to BK before I got my nails done and then go to Dunkin' Donuts for a little pick-me-up afterwards and then go home and eat a complete dinner. I was the one hiding food everywhere. And then every once in a while, I'd sober up again and make firm, honest problems to myself. At least I thought they were honest, but they weren't honest. I wasn't ready yet. I hit so many bottoms. I was like a bouncing ball that we used to play jacks with. Every time I thought I'd hit my bottom, there was yet another bottom to hit. I did not think I'd live to see my children grow up. Well, I'm here to tell you now, they're in their late 40s, hard to believe, but they are. And what saved this poor compulsive overeater? This program. I needed it desperately. The possibility of finding a power source outside of myself and my stinking thinking. And I had a powerful reason necessity. I could study something for years in school, but not really learn a thing of true importance. And nothing could help me succeed but desperation, like knowing I had to raise my grades and no college would accept me. Oh, thank you. More will be revealed. Have a wonderful day, everyone. I do pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Elaine B., it's your turn. Thank you very much for your service, Lynette. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Thank you. This is Elaine B., gratefully recovered in Massachusetts. And I was just reflecting back to um, uh, before I got married, I went to a wedding with my husband, uh, very dear friends of his, and the kids were goading and goading and goading him to eat chocolate. So he ate a bunch of chocolate and became, became a one-man jungle gym. I mean, he had kids jumping all over him, flipping him around, playing. He was, he was a wild man. And then for the next three days, he was suicidal. And I saw for the first time the effect that food could have on somebody. For me, I had, uh, you know, living with, 100 extra pounds on my body for decades, I had a, a slower experience that when my the food was, my alcoholic foods and behaviors were finally eliminated from my body. I remember waking up one morning about three months later and every cell in my body had come alive. I could see better. I could feel, I, I could feel the blood moving through my veins better, all of that stuff. And it made me think about uh, brain being fog and, and, and just being um, blocked off from God. And, uh, you know, for me, worldly clamors today, I can humbly get on my knees and feel this presence of God or, or spend time with, uh, with my higher power and really feel like I've got it for the day. But even in the course of one single day as a recovered person, it's easy for, I, I love that it says this presence had been blotted out um, 
a willingness to see him, and he came. But soon his presence had been blotted out. I don't know if that was a day, a week, or an hour. And um, But for me, I have found that I need to check in all throughout the day because what are my worldly clamors? Oh, my sponsor didn't call on time. Oh, I um, tried to put my name out and didn't get heard. Oh, I my husband didn't um, do what he said he was going to do. Oh, the demands of my work day. Oh, this, oh, that. Oh, the pressure. <laughs> oh, the pain. Uh, you know, that built up of everyday human emotions. And um, I, I, I just put a little reminder on my phone just to check in. You know, am I connected with my higher power? If you put me in this world to be, do, to be doing all throughout the day, your will not mine be done, and I'll give you everything you need if you stay close to me and perform your work well. Then I have a purpose in this world, and I'm not the one that's in charge of it. And I have reactions to what happened in this world, but I have somebody who can help me untangle them in these simple steps that help me do that. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't have a design for a living when my, first, my brain first got unclogged. So what happened? I ended up for an awful relapse that led me to this room, these steps, and a greater relationship with my higher power and a life second to none that I would, you know, medical issues, work issues, family issues, parents dying, all of it, I have enough if I stay connected through working these steps one day at a time. And uh, thanks so much for your service. Thank you, Elaine B. For those of us who've just come on the line, we are on page 12, the sixth paragraph, the real significance of my experience, and who would like to share, please, if you haven't shared in the last day or two? Susan A. Nicole C. Sandy S. Karen M. Okay. Kat K. Great. Okay, let me tell you our lineup then. I heard Russ M, Susan A, Nicole C, Sandy S, Karen M, and Kat K. Russ M, could you start us off, please? Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, my fellows. Russ M, recovered compulsive overeater outside of Philly. Um, so that worldly clamors thing, that... Uh, Yes, I, you know, I, I needed and wanted God, and and uh, once I, you know, there was a little calm, then it, we got chaos again, right? It, I got out of the food, and then my emotions were upside down, and it's like, I have, we have a builder and forgetter, right? Yeah, with the food, but also with, with for me, my emotional sobriety, how far we've come with dependence on God, right? And one little thought of that I did it myself or I could control a situation, even the smallest minute situation can throw me into upheaval emotionally. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) I'm getting old. I think I control this too. But, uh, you know, Oh, if we're not stoking it, if we're not developing our spiritual life, you know, it runs us right back into it. I find that right now, almost uh, 26 months free. If I'm not, if I slip a little bit in, in, in my program, in my, in my spiritual life, developing a spiritual life, that build and forget, it kicks in and my emotions are crazy. 
And when my emotions are crazy, we know what we do. We run to our addictive substances. So, yes, whether even if it's good emotion, you know, good, uh, you know, clamor, worldly clamor, celebrating something, you know. To me, that, for Russ, it throws me into, into craziness if I'm not staying within my lane, right? All this destruction and craziness and loss and screwed up relationships and hurting people and losing everything has taught me that I just got to stay in my lane. And that lane is staying close to God and working it, no matter how hard it is, whether I want to do it or not. Whether it's fun, whether things are crappy or things are incredible. I have to stay consistent and uh, the worldly climbers won't get me because the key is my emotional sobriety. Because if I ain't emotionally straight, I ain't serving anybody. And uh, I'm definitely not serving God. So thanks a lot. Sorry for the mental hiccup there. <laughs> have a great day. Love you. Thank you, Russ M. Susan A., it's your turn, followed by Nicole C. Susan A. Perhaps there wasn't a Susan A. Hi, can okay, you hear Nic- me? This, this is Susan A. Can you yes. hear me? Yes, okay. thank you. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. Thank you for your service this morning. This uh, paragraph spoke to me very strongly on two levels, spiritually and as a compulsive overeater. Um, For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came but soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors. That was my experience uh, growing up. I, uh, my mother sent me to a evangelical church camp when I was about 15. It was fun. The kids were wholesome. I wanted what they had, and they had a higher power. I committed my life to him at that point, but lost track of friendship with these kids because they lived in Staten Island. I lived in New Jersey, went back to my high school, secular high school, and I I went back to the way I had been living. That hiatus lasted from high school to graduate school, at which point I recommitted my life to my higher power in 1984. Um, at that point, I had a community to nourish my spiritual growth and allow God to grow within me and within my spirit. This is a parallel to OA. I joined OA in 92, never knowing prior to that that I was a compulsive overeater but being miserable in my way of life. Um, I went to the meetings, I wanted what some people had, but I didn't have the way of life to sustain or maintain it till I found vision. Um, Through vision, I have the meetings as well as a, a guide who took me through the 12 steps and she was someone who 
in whom the problem had been solved. Um, I have been able to live, um, live abstinently and live in recovery. Um, I'm very grateful for this way of life. And um, now I have both a way of life that is healthy for me with the food and I have a spiritual life which drives it um, through my higher power. And I'm extremely grateful to all of you and to uh, to my higher power. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Susan A. Nicole C., it's your turn, followed by Sandy S. Good morning. This is Nicole C. in California, um, Morgan Hill, California. I'm a compulsive overeater. I really love what we read. The part that means the most to me this morning is the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And so it had been ever since. To me, that happens on a daily basis. And what I've been taught is that if I cannot stay full today on yesterday's breakfast, then I'm certainly not going to be able to stay spiritually full on yesterday's spiritual breakfast. So for me, this is a warning that this is truly a daily practice and truly a daily reprieve. Because while I get on my knees this morning and ask for help this morning, uh, within an hour, there can be some worldly clamor in my mind that um, distracts me from the reality that God is everything, that God is the solution. And never has my experience been that worldly clamors treats my compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors. Never. Self-knowledge doesn't address it. Um, You know, shopping, whatever it is, whatever it is, these worldly clamors in my head, um, they they don't treat my compulsive eating and my compulsive food behaviors. Um, truly one day at a time, I have to ask God to come into my life and, and build that trusting relationship. For some reason, God gave us uh, self-will. So each morning I have to say, you know what, I don't want it. I want to do it, what you would have me do. What does that look like? Um, help me to do that. And I've got to do it throughout the day. And then I've got to check in at night and um you know, kind of measure how well I did that so I can do it a little bit better the next day. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Nicole C. Sandy S., it's your turn, followed by Karen M. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Asheville, North Carolina. How blind I had been. That is the truth. For me, um... The compulsive eating was just overeating was just a um, symptom of an underlying mental illness and problem that I have. When I say symptom, I do not take it lightly. Abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception because I really was a very low bottom compulsive overeater. And but how blind I had been. I mean, what was the underlying root for me? Definitely self-hate. I am blind to what is good in me. 
And sometimes I can use the program as a weapon against myself. I mean, I was one of these people that loved doing the fourth step. Ooh, I was going to find more things wrong with me. How great that was, you know. And, um, you know, what do I do about that blindness? I mean, that's the question. And what I do is really step six and step seven. And that's where I'm at today. I mean, I've gone through the nine steps. I'm living in 10, 11, and 12. But I go back, you know, as I feel God's direction and really emphasize one in particular that calls out to me, and it's the willingness. Am I willing to let go of the self-hate? I mean, it's it's insane to say that it has become such a habit. But, uh, you know, but I'm willing to start seeing the truth. You know, I was blind. I am blind. But at least I know I was blind. I know that uh, there's a way to see again. And it's something I'm powerless over. I cannot restore my own sight. But I know God can. And my job today is to be open to what's good about me. I mean, that is so difficult to do. And to just really let, let God do that. I don't have to force it. I don't have to make it occur. I just have to be open to it happening. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy. Yes. Karen M., it's your turn, followed by Kat K. Hi, um, thank you for moderating and thank you for all the shares. This is Karen M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Karen, could you speak up a little, please? We're having trouble hearing you. Sure. Um, Is this better? Yes, thank you. Okay. Um, This is Karen M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Southern California. Um, I'm trying to be quiet so my family doesn't wake up. Um, but um, that's okay because here's the thing that um, strikes me about this passage, you know, worldly clamors mostly in our own heads. And that is why um, the um, 11th step, you know, the nightly review helps me see what I can do differently the next day. And um, a lot of that is shining light on what um, pressures are in my head. I love like that clamor is loud and insistent. Um, that's part of the definition. And what's loud and insistent in my head are all the demands um, that I'm placing on myself and others usually. Um, and those are cut through by what can I do differently the next day. And then on awakening, um, that helps as a preemptive strike for <laughs> like getting in there getting um, uh, underneath, getting um, a foundation um, so that I can go through my day without me being in charge. Because when I'm in charge, I am placing all those demands and pressures and thoughts. And and when I was um, still out there eating, um, I had a lot of like 30-day plans, 60-day plans, 90-day plans, like plans, plans, plans that I would put into place. And... um, that was you know, me coming up with plans is as much a worldly clamor as any expectations from anybody else. And um, so that's what I really uh, appreciate about being in this work, in this program. And the other thing is the thing that um, blots out the worldly clamors, um, you know, the thing that helps me get in conscious contact with God is prayer and meditation, but it's also just working with others. 
because once I'm working with somebody else, my own worldly clamors, my own head, everything I want to put my fingers to my temples to try to get rid of um, in my head, those are gone because I'm listening and paying attention and trying to be of service to another. So uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Karen M. Kat K., it's your turn. Hi, Kat K., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, I wanted to to thank everybody on the line and for the wonderful shares. Um, that's really made me think about um, what what it means to um, let the worldly clamors, um, h- how that can d- derail me. Um, I know that for me, I need routine uh, in order to balance work, school, as well as program. But at the same time, as as much as the routine is helpful, I have to look at warning signs of um, not letting God in, living by checklist, or um, just running around and not thinking about where God is in all this. Um, what am I doing because I'm just following the script or the routine? Um, and what what is it that, um, where's my purpose leading me? You know, and and to be in spiritual connection with higher power in order to pray, meditate, and understand, listen to what what the purpose is, what what makes us want to jump out of bed and and um, excited to move on through the day versus feeling like I'm I'm dragged down. And I think listen listening to my higher power helps me feel fueled and motivated to. Um, live day to day in a way that is purpose driven rather than like, Oh no, I have to do this again. And, and so for me, um, listening to higher power really helps um, brighten up every single day, no matter what the weather is outside or, um, or what, what, what life circumstances bring. And so for me, there's, I have to balance routine with thinking about what my purpose is and, Am I following that? So that's that's what I think about, and also the warning signs of when I'm following a checklist and can potentially forget about God in in all of the day to day. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Kat K. We have time for about three more shares, I think. Who would like that time? Kelly S. Oh boy, sorry, I didn't Kelly. hear anybody there. Kelly, okay. Kelly S. Kelly S. Yeah. Nessa Brenda R. J. Okay, I heard Kelly S, Nessa R, and somebody J. Brenda. Rog. Brenda J? Yes. Okay, great. Kelly S, could you go ahead, please? Sure. Thank you, Lynn, for your service. This is Kelly S, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Oklahoma. Grateful to be on the line. So, um, loved all the shares today and the reminder <clears throat> about this um daily worldly clamors and uh and you know i just think about that because um one of the things uh that i've been aware of is i get off on worldly clamors you know i'm an adrenaline junkie you guys and so 
I find ease and comfort, as crazy as it sounds, I'm getting off on it. I'm getting something from it. And if I don't have drama in my life, sometimes I create drama. And I love that we have this meditation reading in one of our For Today books that says, you know, uh, normal people have car trouble and they call AAA, but uh, addicts we call suicide prevention, right? Because we can't deal with it. So, you know, it's like things get to me really easy. I go from zero to 60 really fast. And today my... Um, you know, I don't have to call AAA or I don't have to call suicide prevention as much. Sometimes I pick up the phone. You know, sometimes I think about it, but I don't have to do it. But I have to see what's in my mind today. What is my higher power? Is it the worldly clamors? Am I getting off on all the chaos? Or am I looking to my higher power? And I love that it says, you know, this, these worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. So it's not even about what's going on. It's how I'm perceiving and behaving and acting around it, right? I, I love the fact, mostly those within myself. And so what's the opposite of that? The big book tells me, and we agnostics, it's the deep reality within that has been there all along. So I'm blocking that deep reality because all of this crap's within me, right? Everything's going on crazy inside my world. And it says worldly clamors. It's not talking about food and alcohol. That's not what makes me crazy. It's that daily built up of human emotion that we talk about, you know? And so it's like it's all this stuff, good, bad, wonderful, sad, whatever, you know it, and, and I get off on it. So I got to get unblocked from that. I got to get out of that crap that blocks me from that deep reality within. So the, the, the problems are within, the solution is within. That's the cool thing. And somebody's unmuted. Um, if you could just press star one, that'd be great. So it's, you know, it's like I didn't even understand how blocked I was. And somebody else shared this. This is so important that this is just step two that Bill's at, at right? So the next couple paragraphs, well, the next few paragraphs, we're going to get through the rest of the steps because we can't just, I can't just be aware of, oh, I'm blocked. I need God. I've got to work these steps now. I've got to start doing this program. And I have to do it every day because every day worldly clamors are around me, good or bad, whatever. And every day, as everybody else has shared, I get blocked. And so this is a daily reprieve and contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition, which means connecting with God and working these steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, Kelly S. Nessa R., it's your turn, followed by Brenda J. Thank you. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I was just thinking um, that most weight loss food management programs, including ours, unfortunately, don't work for most people, even those who are not addicts, compulsive overeaters. And I think the reason why they don't work is because once people achieve their so-called goal, they stop doing what works. You know, um, when I started my recovery journey about seven and a half, eight years ago, seven people in my immediate community also went into weight loss programs. Five of us came into OA. One went to a commercial weight loss program, and the other one um, started some like exercise regime. And we all got down to our so-called goal weight. And six of the seven are now as big, if not bigger, than they were before they started um, this uh, journey. And so, you know, this brings me to, I had needed and wanted God. Um, so 
you know, why didn't it work for the women who came in with me into program? I was the, I'm the sole uh, one who still remains after seven, uh, maybe and a half years um, in a normal body. You know, because we need and want God when we are desperate, when we are in incredible amount of pain. And then as we come, we come into program, we put down the food, we start working the steps, you know, the weight comes off, the pain decreases, but so does the desperation. And so when we experience less pain and less desperation, there's the illusion that uh, we got it. You know, I have arrived. I got this. I can do it. I don't need anything. I can just go on my merry way. And then people stop doing what worked. You know, the one who um, went in the exercise program stopped exercising. The one in the commercial weight loss program stopped going. And the um, other four people that came into program with me, you know, stopped um you know, picked up the food again, stopped working the steps, you know, like abandoned everything. And now they're off to the races. So, you know, the, the, the message for me is when something works, you keep at it. And this is, this is what I've done. You know, this is the only thing that has worked for me. I tried weight loss programs. I tried exercise. I tried so many things. This is the only thing that has worked. And now I'm not in pain and I am not desperate anymore. I am the happiest that I have ever been. But I continue to do, thank you, but I continue to do what got me well, keep the food down and keep working the steps every single day of my life and I will keep what I have gotten. Thank you and I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. And Brenda J., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Brenda J., compulsive overeater, bulimic, and anorexic from Michigan. Um, this really spoke to me this morning because when I came into the program, I was looking solely for a uh, program, a food program. I kept listening for what was the food program I was going to have to stay on. And when I found out the spiritual part of this program, it really did something for me. I considered myself to be a religious, spiritual person. Um, but when I began to say the prayer, Thy will not mine be done with my sponsor, it was very hard for me to say that. And I have learned that my will was so up there that I don't know how God could have really done anything with me because I didn't want to hear what his will was. I wanted him to hear what my will was. And this is what I have learned and am continuing to learn, and I'm so thankful that this has been pointed out to me. I don't know if I would have ever saw that, and it's unblocking me from God and my spiritual higher power, and that's been so awesome. Thank you, everyone. And may God bless you. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you, Brenda J. And thank you to everyone who shared and to Team Monday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Monday, March 11th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 12643. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164. 
Will Martha Z. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Lynn, uh, my friends in recovery. This is Martha Z. I'm a compuls- recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.